0: Hi, everyone. This is Hannah, obviously. Before we get into this episode, just so you know, there are some very light discussions of sexual assault, not in a particularly serious way, but we do use some of the language associated with it. So if that is something you don't want to hear, now you know that it's coming. And thank you for listening as always. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who can totally tell the difference between an authentic Disney princess
1: movie and a try-hard knockoff. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them.
0: We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are?
1: Today, we are talking about 1994's Thumbelina.
0: Once upon a time, in a land far, far away.
1: Thumbelina! She's a funny little squirrel. A very
0: small girl. No bigger than a thumb.
1: I wish I were fake. Don't ever wish to be anything but what you are.
0: And an impossible dream of finding her one true love. Let me be your only love. Well, In a world brought to life by the music of Barry Manilow. Oh, Thumbelina. I'm just chuckling because I'm really. Excited to talk about this movie today. This is another one that I've been, like, gunning for for a while. So, finally, we are here. But before we get into our discussion of Thumbelina this week, it is time for the hot take of the week. So, Audrey, would you care to uh, read us our prompt?
1: So, the hot take for this week is from at Past Foot Forward, who wants us to rank, I guess, or discuss, but I think rank probably makes more sense. Rank Aeropostale, Hollister, and Abercrombie and Fitch. (laughs) And the parameters of that are completely up to you. (laughs) Like Okay.
0: Well, the first thing that comes into my mind when I see this is the fact that we were pretty strictly forbidden from having clothes from two out of three of these places. So that kind of sets the tone for me personally. Also, I know I would... well. Maybe this isn't true, but I was always under the impression that I wouldn't be able to fit in the clothes at Abercrombie or Hollister, which may or may not be true. But especially at the time, everything was very, everything was very like long line and like uh, not high-waisted back then. So who knows really what would have happened? Yeah. But rank. (laughs) What? Rank. So, okay. Rank for me. is the first one because I was actually allowed to get stuff there sometimes. I guess... I guess Abercrombie is second and Hollister is third.
1: I mean, like, that rating is correct as far as, like, is it good for society? How good... How how bad or good is it for society? Aeropostale is the best for society and (laughs) Hollister is the worst. Um... But, like, middle school me... Wow. Yeah. I mean, truly, middle school me would say Hollister Abercrombie Aeropostale. Wow. (laughs) Oh, my
0: God. Wow, that makes sense. So, wait, let me just ask you then,
1: I know that you had, like, a couple things from those places, but how did you get them? I think I just asked for them, and it was just, like, sweatshirts. Like, it's not like I wasn't getting anything that was... Scandalous, like yeah. it, it it was those well, sweatshirts.
0: None of, the, none of the clothes were scandalous. It was just the marketing that was.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, my our mom hated the store. Like, it was scary. That was back in the days when they would recruit teens to work at their stores by approaching them in the mall, and like, it was just
0: yeah, well, it and it scary. was scary. It was also the era of we hired a male model to stand in the doorway at Abercrombie yeah. and like Audrey and me opting into interacting <laughs> with random men was not gonna happen. It so. never
1: yeah, like I didn't the items I actually had were few and far between. Like I think <laughs> I had maybe three things from Hollister. Don't think I ever bought anything from Abercrombie. And then, honestly, hardly even went to Aeropostale either because, at that rate, you might as well go to like Delia's or like Yeah, Pac yeah, yeah. Sun or something. Fuck
0: Pack Sun. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I was a Delia's girl for sure because they had they were the source for um your colorful corduroy pants of a wide range of sizes, and so I was into that shit for sure. Yeah,
1: the graphic tees were endless. Dude.
0: I miss my graphic tee that was the uh it was the colored pencils all pointing yeah. in in a heart shape. That was such a good shirt. I miss that shirt. Great question, past foot forward. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. There's actually so much to unpack with that. That's really interesting. Okay. But now that we've gotten that out of the way, Audrey, are you ready to lead us into the facts?
1: Yes. So, Thumbelina was released theatrically on March 30th, 1994, and it was directed by Don Bluth. <laughs> Don Bluth and Gary Goldman is, is the directing duo. And they both directed Anastasia, The Secret of Nim, All Dogs Go to Heaven, and Titan AE. But some, like, interesting background information on these individuals is that... Um, Don grew up being a big Disney fan. If you can't tell, uh-huh. Don worked <laughs> for Disney for a while. And then he kind of had like an on and off relationship with them. He would like go try to do his own thing. And then he would come back and then he would go try to do his own thing. Eventually he was like, I've had it. Um, I don't appreciate the way you're running your business, sir. So I'm taking nine of your people and I'm starting my own production company, Don Bluff Productions. Okay. And that is where we get the classics such as Anastasia, The Land Before Time, and Thumbelina. Frick. The Land Before Time. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that's, that's like why these things exist and everybody thinks they're Disney, but they're not. Yeah. Um, so it was also produced by Don and Gary as well as Russell Boland and John Pomeroy. Um, Russell Boland has the same credits pretty much as Don and Gary. Mm -hmm. And then John Pomeroy also has the same credits, but he also has Atlantis, the Lost Empire.
0: (laughs) So A fan favorite A fan favorite
1: And, and that's Disney right? Yes Is that Yeah mm-hmm. And I To me like Atlantis seems like one That could not be Disney But it is
0: Yeah so, I it, totally agree
1: It's it confusing out here But Thumbelina, the screenplay, was written by Don Bluth. No shocker there. And Hans Christian Andersen wrote the original story. So typical Disney fashion. We're going to take a really old fable and we're going to just commodify it for today's youth, basically.
0: I'm really surprised that Disney didn't hop on Thumbelina before they did. I know. But then... Maybe I'm not surprised considering the contents of the story, which we will get to later.
1: (laughs) Well, they could have, they would have taken a lot more creative license on it, I think. Yeah, they would have adapted it more. And the original songs are by Barry Manilow, Jack Feldman, (laughs) and Bruce Sussman. (laughs) When I saw, it was like primary composer,
0: Barry Manilow. I literally yelled out loud, Barry Manilow. Because... You can kind of tell, but we'll get more into that in a second. Yes. Here's the logline. Born of a flower and growing to only a couple of inches tall, poor Thumbelina is worried she'll never meet someone her own size until she happens to catch the eye of Prince Cornelius of the Fairies. Just as soon as she finds love, however, it's torn away from her when she is kidnapped by Ms. Toad. Now Thumbelina has to escape Ms. Toad's grasp and search for <laughs> Prince Cornelius. Luckily, there's a whole city of animals
1: willing to help her. <laughs> okay, this is like wrong. Um, well, raw like, tomatoes—that's what they
0: say. <laughs> this is like if you watch the first 25 minutes. This I is mean, what truthfully, it is.
1: that's where they lose me. So um Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> I'm trying so hard to not let my opinions seep into the first half because I have so many. That first log line is a little bit suspicious, but then we have a second one here that looks a bit more accurate. So it reads A digit sized heroine evades the clutches of various creatures so she can reunite with her prince. That is a log line. Thank you very much, author of that. Okay. Taglines, Audrey.
1: So we have two here. The first one is, follow your heart and nothing is impossible. Wah, wah. Sorry, that's <laughs> bad. And the second one is, the director of An American Tale brings you the musical, magical adventure of Thumbelina. <laughs> Literally, oh, wow, An American
0: Tale. How how compelling. Yeah, I'm like, okay. I don't know what that
1: is, but okay. Like, that's
0: not a good, uh, not grabbing me, but... Is the king in this movie the same voice as King Triton? Yes. He literally talks. He has like three lines, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's the same guy. I hate yep. that.
1: Okay. Um <sighs> I'm sure Miss Jody called him up, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So Thumbelina is voiced by Jody Benson, who we all know plays Ariel in The Little Mermaid. She's physically in Enchanted. And she is a voice actor in Toy Story 3 and Ralph Breaks the Internet. I personally don't, and this is an opinion, but I don't see her for this role. <laughs> like, it doesn't, like, make sense to me.
0: Like, it's it's just screaming Disney ripoff.
1: Yeah, I'm like, you, you. why didn't Did you find you your own to? princess? Like, find yeah. your own. It's also not that hard. No, there's so many people with amazing... There's so many people with, like, great voices, and it doesn't matter what they look like, which is also great. No, nope. no, nope. yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, Gary M. Hoff is Prince Cornelius, and he is known for Thumbelina, the Green Mile, Summer School, and the Nude Bomb. <laughs> I'm just going to clock in here for this one character, because there's kind of a lot
0: of context that's needed to understand what the hell is going on. So... Ms. Mrs. Ms. Toad is played by Charo, who, if you were like a random white child in the 90s, you definitely weren't going to know who Charo is. Um, But she was on Speed Life on deck, apparently. But she's like this very specific, very like, almost like Jennifer Coolidge-adjacent character in pop culture. She has been like... Almost, it's weird because she's like kind of like a human punchline, but also it like means a lot to a lot of people and like is very in on the joke. It's like a Dolly Parton, uh, Jennifer. Coolidge-esque self-awareness. But I'm looking at her Wikipedia right now because, okay, if you're also a Drag Race fan, she's been on Drag Race finales before. Like, she's like a gay camp icon as well as just like American pop culture icon. But in the late 60s and 70s, according to Wikipedia, she became a ubiquitous presence on American television, frequently appearing as a guest star on series such as Laughing, Fantasy Island, The Love Boat, and The Tonight Show at Johnny Carson. She is known for her, quote, uninhibited and exuberant manner, vague age, heavy Spanish accent, and the catchphrase coochie coochie. She's quoted as saying in an interview, around the world, I am known as a great musician, but in America, I am known as the coochie coochie girl. That's okay because coochie coochie has taken me all the way to the bank. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So she's a singer and she's a flamenco guitarist and a comedian and in America has a weird legacy sort of, but This movie certainly is part of her legacy with American children because it's um, a very confusing watch when you get to the parts that she's in when you don't know who she is. But we'll get back to that later.
1: Next up is Barbara Cook, who plays Mother, and she is in Hansel and Gretel and Thumbelina. That's it. Okay,
0: I have a good fact about her, though, because I looked it up. Um, She, because her song that she sings, the vocals are, like, amazing. And I was like, who is this person? So, according to my research, she originated the role of Marion the Librarian on Broadway and won a Tony for it at the time.
1: And then we've got Gino Conforti, who plays Giacomo, and he (laughs) was in Man of La Mancha, Angels and Demons, and Thumbelina. It's pretty serious. And then Kenneth Mars is the voice of King Colbert. Yes. (laughs) Um, And he's in Young Frankenstein. He's the voice of King Triton in The Little Mermaid. And he's also in The Producers. So he's like a theater man, clearly, or like, like theater, movie
0: musical type dude.
1: And then June Foray plays Queen Tabitha who is a voice actor in Mulan, Looney Tunes, and who framed Roger Rabbit.
0: I'm sure this has not come as a huge surprise, but it was a box office bomb grossing $17 million against its $28 million budget. Uh, and then reviews. Okay, so critic score is 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Thumbelina herself remains a complete drip of a character, insipidly mewling her way through the film's thankfully concise running time. And then, okay, we had to get a quote from King Ebert, King Roger Ebert. I didn't much care for two reasons. Thumbelina's woe-is-me act got old real fast, and I couldn't care less about her matrimonial prospects. (laughs) And then... Another quote. Is this from a (laughs) reviewer or from him? A reviewer. Okay. And then we have one reviewer who said, this film is for very young children and people in comas. (laughs) Damn. And then going into audience score. Audience score is 66%. And I got to say, that's a pretty wide, potentially one of our widest spreads between critic review level and audience review level. Okay. So here's some audience takes. I just think it's a fun little fairy tale, but it's not as good as The Lion King by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know why you would even bother Yeah, I don't think anyone is trying to make the point that Thumbelina is as good as The Lion King, but okay. Racist stereotypes wherever you look. A love story that doesn't make sense. Like, no one just jumps into a stranger's room and is like, I'm a prince, let's introduce each other to our parents. (laughs) I don't know how as a kid I could have liked that. Also full of chauvinistic one-liners. And then we have two more awesome pure kids movie. And then lastly, this is actually really terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, correct, correct, correct. Okay, so gossip section. Audrey, would you like to take us there?
1: So 1994 was the year of Lion King and Forrest Gump. Um, also, the year Michael Jackson married Lisa Marie Presley in an unexpected wedding. Kurt Cobain and Jackie O passed away in '94. Aerosmith became the first major band to release a song on the internet in wow. 1994, and Amazon launched in 1994. Ooh. Okay, so the reason
0: why the reviewer or the audience member compared it to Lion King is probably because they came out in the same year. Yeah, so at least makes that makes sense. sense. Okay, so now we're getting into what we remember about this movie since before we rewatched it, which obviously we did for this.
1: All I remembered about it was that I think we watched it in our grandma's basement, maybe. And just a really, really creepy feeling associated with it. I never liked it from day one. I was not a fan, but it had some, you know striking visuals, I guess, that stuck in my mind, like like the way that Disney princess movies do, but I didn't love it. Like, I didn't want to keep watching it or anything.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, same to both of those. I also have a memory of watching it, I think, in the Siegfried's basement, Erin and Julia's basement, which we definitely saw this movie more than once, so it makes sense. Um, okay. So, things I remember. First of all, in first grade... In my classroom, there was a picture book of Thumbelina, and I hid it in my book box, like my personal book box. We each got one, and I hoarded that book for an entire school year because I was like, I want to be able to look at the pictures whenever I want. Um, I remember always thinking that she was like really pretty. Like I thought that her character design was
1: really good. I but know then that you watch the movie and you're like. Okay.
0: Don't say anything yet. We have to wait to the second half. I thought she was really pretty. I know that the movie has a lot of like really like rapey undertones. And when even when I was a kid, I knew that like I knew that she was in like very dire circumstances for basically the entire movie. Um, Let Me Be Your Wings has lived on in my mind forever because that is a great song that song in my opinion (laughs) is Disney level good I also remember that there are like really unsettling early CGI moments that make the movie even creepier than it already is um wow I didn't even look at my notes and I had written truly dire circumstances and that's exactly what I said and you know abductions wanting to be wifed that's really what I remembered uh, and that it's creepy and then we rewatched it and I have a feeling that we will (laughs) be saying similar things upon our uh, dissection so confusingly on top of all of this Thumbelina is available on Disney Plus so Disney won the war eventually there clearly but honestly if I was Disney I wouldn't even want to have that on there because I wouldn't want people thinking it's a Disney movie If this was your favorite movie when you were a kid, get ready for some unpacking to happen for you. Okay, we will be right back. But watch the movie, truly. to talk about our experience re-watching the animated Thumbelina from the 90s. that wait, Oh, wait, we didn't even talk about when the last time we think we watched this was.
1: Probably when, when I was like eight.
0: Yeah, I feel like I was pretty young too. So it was an intense uh, moment re-watching this. So
1: why don't we start with the things we appreciated? All right, so... I mean, I can appreciate a rose opening animation. Like, yes. when the when the flower opens and she's just in there, like, laying down or whatever. Yes. Um, that was pretty. I just like animated sparkles, so that's fun. There's a lot of really good animated sparkle. It's true. Yeah. And, like, we don't—Disney never—other than Tinkerbell, Disney never— went down that path of like lots of animated fairies mm-hmm. um, and I enjoyed that I think that is a good world to animate like it's interesting They and just like in general there's some really nice colors and there's some really like striking stills Yes. But as soon as you get that animation moving, things get really <laughs> iffy. But I would yeah. just like pause it sometimes and be like, "That they did a nice job on that one still. Yes.
0: <laughs> All of my appreciate things are about the visuals. So... Yeah. I thought the king and queen character design was really interesting and cool. I thought that all of Thumbelina's outfits were really interesting. Um, I think there's a lot of really potent stills, as you said, like when he's frozen in ice, that will really stay. When the fairy prince is frozen in ice, that is significant. Also, Let Me Be Your Wings. I love that song. I also really enjoyed the frog song, despite the fact that it was like only musical tropes, like stuffed into one thing. Unfortunately it was, it was doing it for me. Also. I thought that now that I know who Charo is, I was like, this character design is like perfect. But when you're a little kid and you see it, you're like, why is she like, what's with the boobs? Like, I don't get it. Like when you're a little kid, but now that I know who she is, I was like, Oh, okay. Um, The wedding dress is beautiful. The tiny pink book in the beginning and end is delicious. And I really like her ponytail.
1: I see. I want to like her ponytail more, but the way they animate it is ugly.
0: Yeah. The animation is not great. Oh, but her, well, same thing. I really like her skirt, but it's not animated that well.
1: No. Like if these things were just elevated the way they were shown, like, I don't know. Could have yes. been better. But yeah, so that's that's all I got in Appreciate. All right. Yeah, that's basically all I have to... I have a lot of
0: bad and I have a lot of notable also. Notable is really more questions. All Sorry, right. Just things ask, I noticed.
1: Ask the questions. Okay. Why
0: are all of the captors, except for the mole, show people? At the very, very end when Giacomo, who I fucking hate, was... Like, trying to get her to, like, sing in, like, the frozen over fairy den or whatever. I was like, how how could she possibly engage in this? Like, after all she's been through, why is she still singing? Like, I just, that part I really. Know, literally,
1: by that point, I, like, turned my brain off because I was like, I can't, like, I can't, I can't take in this storyline anymore. Like, yes. It's not- yes.
0: And, like, the main thing I think about why it's so hard to take in the storyline and we can use this to streamline into things that are worse is that it is so exhausting to watch an animated children's movie where not a single character is trustworthy. Yeah, Like, every person that she... I mean, it's like the mom and the fairy. And I guess Giacomo, but the problem is it's like... You never see anyone winning in this movie. Like no one that you like ever catches a break. And it's like every single person that she encounters on her journey is just a low down, dirty, rotten individual. And you're like, why am I watching this? This is like trauma.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's just just, nothing. There's nothing fun about the movie. Like, no, I don't. It's just. Yeah. It's just like only traumatic. There's no. It's really scary. There's no happy moments like, and I think, you know, maybe Don was thinking Disney always like over modifies Hans Christian Andersen and like they don't learn any real lessons, blah blah blah. But like Thumbelina's is not the one.
0: There's also no lesson to be learned in Thumbelina.
1: No. Literally none. Literally none. Like. No. Because things just happen to her. Like, she doesn't make any choices. No, she does
0: not. She makes literally zero choices. She also has no personality traits. Okay, wait.
1: Let's let's get into things
0: that were worse.
1: <sighs> well, I really hate the combination of animation styles, but I know it's just a, a product of the time. Like, if they could have done it better, I'm sure they would have. Yeah. But... I said, um, you don't feel the connection between the voice and the character as much as you should. Because, mm-hmm. especially with Thumbelina, I'm like, her voice and her, what she looks like doesn't match. Like, there's no... Kind of like with Elsa and Adina Menzel. Oh,
0: yeah. That one's really bad. Like
1: I'm like, I just don't see it. And it's partially because the animation of the mouth is horrid. Mm -hmm. It's horridly overdrawn. So, like, she'll be saying a word that doesn't require you to open your mouth that much, but her jaw's, like, on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it just causes um, a, a disconnect, like, for me, between the characters and their emotions. Like, I just, I'm distracted by the medium instead of it, like, elevating it. Yeah. Her face looks different in every frame. Like, she looks like a different person in every frame. Some frames she looks like an angelic, like, pixie dream girl and then in others she looks wretched <laughs> Have
0: you, did you notice the part where her hairline was like way the fuck back <laughs> like,
1: it was it's insane <laughs> if you just keep yeah. pausing it she looks like a different person in every frame yeah
0: specifically the part where she has to pull the thorn out of Giacomo's wing Her forehead is, like, huge. Like, it looks so bad. I pointed it out to Josh when I was watching it. I was like, this is so horrible. Okay, please proceed.
1: Yeah. And then, to me, just overall, like, it has a feeling of amateur, like, being an amateur film. Like, Uh the, the attention to detail, the coloring, like, the shading and the coloring sometimes was, like, way off. And it has a lot of like instability issues and i felt that like in every aspect of the film writing animation color vocals and music like i felt i felt like the way that they were singing was as though they were unsure of what they were singing yeah 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 like It's way, and it has this, like, uh, reverb on all the vocals, this, like, Mm -hmm. weird, like, studio reverb. I'm like, this isn't an an 80s music video, guys. Yeah. We should feel that they are in the space. Like, why, they, it, it was just weird. Yes. And, like, it seemed like just a lot of strange products of its time. And I can't be mad because it's, probably a camp classic especially the end (laughs) like the end with the rainbow it's so bright path and stuff the ending
0: the ending was like the best part like the very very ending again there were some really great visual moments like when she's singing that awkward weird song at the beginning where it's like a medley of like 14 different Disney ballads but she's like you see her in the three different panes of the window mm-hmm. like that looks really great but here's the thing and this is one of my main points is that that is just a rip off of the the bubble thing in Cinderella
1: yeah it's like a, a lot of their
0: best ideas are rip offs and another a good example is after she like is like going to go over the waterfall and then doesn't go over the waterfall. And then she like wakes up in the woods and there's like all the animals there. I was like, this is literally a frame for frame ripoff of Snow White waking up in the woods after being scared in the thing. I'm like, this is so frustrating. It's like so derivative. It's like painfully derivative. And same thing with the melodies in a lot of the songs. I'm like, just why are you making us go through this? It's so annoying. Same thing with the ballad that the mom sings. I was like, these vocals are great, but this song is so derivative, it's paining me. Yeah. Um like why? And the <laughs> ending, the ending, the rainbowness of the ending reminded me of the Little Mermaid.
1: Yeah. Like there's just there's nothing about it that that yeah. was original and yeah. I, it also reminded
0: me of Snow White. I'm pretty sure that the chords, like the, when it, when it, you know, it's like the choir singing, let me be your wings. The arrangement of the very ending, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is note for note, the same thing as Snow White.
1: It's like if you had a dream that was like based on, or like if you gave um, an AI bot, like make a Disney movie. Yes. That's what it would come up with is Thumbelina. Like just this mangled, like, mess of, like, scraps. I don't know. I I
0: totally agree. Okay, more things I had written under here. Same thing with the animation. There were, like, a lot of scale issues. Like, Thumbelina's
1: size seemed really inconsistent, especially at the beginning. That was just... Sometimes she seems microscopic, and other times she seems like she might be, like... Like a Barbie size or something. Yeah, like a foot tall. Yeah. I just had some
0: like logistical questions about when the frogs abduct her and they're like, you're going to marry my son. And then they just leave her on a lily pad. It's like, okay, well, your abduction isn't working very well. If you're literally (laughs) just leaving her, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. I hate the Gilbert God. The Gilbert Godfrey beetle is a blight on society. I hate it so much. It's so creepy. And we will talk about him more surely when we get to the problematic part. I could not believe, I could not believe, and this is also getting into the problematic part, after she gets, like, assaulted by the beetle and, like, kicked out in the snow because they call her ugly, she's like, I'm ugly. <laughs> yeah. And then Giacomo is like, does your prince think you're ugly? And she's <laughs> like, no. And then they're like, then you're fine. I'm like, oh, my God. How is this real? Just It was
1: insane because at least, like, if, <sighs> that, if it was going to be that... Blatant. It there should have been a lesson in the f- in the film about you know, kind of learning your own self worth and like not caring what yeah what people say about you or like you know beauty is on the inside that sort of thing, but like it's not it's no. not in there. Literally, bitch, you're the only pretty person in this entire movie, and they're like they think she's ugly because she's not a frog or whatever. like. <laughs> It's like, a okay, toad? if you're so ugly, then
0: why is, like, everyone trying to, like, wife to you marry in this world? You. Like, I don't understand. Speaking of marrying, first of all, Marry the Mole is a horrible song. <laughs> Second of yeah. all, poor Carol Channing. We didn't even mention Carol Channing is the voice of that
1: mouse. Mm. So, okay, big Carol Channing shout out. Weird, yeah. I yeah. She did, She was not even close to the top on the cast, so. That is
0: so weird. Okay, so that's Carol Channing.
1: Her choosing to marry the mole makes no fucking
0: sense. She just gives up on life for no reason. And then also... Yeah, they
1: could have done, like, a Phantom of the Opera threat, but they didn't. Right,
0: right. No, there was literally none. And then... Well, they kind of did a Phantom of the Opera threat, but it didn't really work because the frog was
1: like trying to capture the prince and whatever. you know what? what's surprising to me is like how little the prince is actually in it. Like, he's not really in it that much. Also, he's a huge Peter Pan ripoff, Mm -hmm.
0: which I forgot to even mention, but he really, really is. It's annoying. Um, And then, okay, just my last little nitpicky thing under things I did not like was when Thumbelina is like, Well, she looks like shit and she's taking the thorn out of Giacomo's wing. By the way, I cannot emphasize enough how much I hate that character. He's horrible. I hate him for reasons I can't even explain. He's Um, like, he's a scuttle knockoff. There it is. With a weird accent and no personality traits.
1: One of the first things that I noticed, and I don't know if I'm reaching here or if it's true, like objectively, but a lot of the animal animations are, like, visually derivative of, like, minstrelsy, I I think. Yeah. They're not, um, like, really direct references, but you can see that line, that line, like, the historical relevance of that through Disney and through just animation in general. Like, it's extremely present, and this does Mm -hmm. not avoid that at all because... Also, like, we saw Charo being animated as a frog, literally, or a toad. Mm -hmm. And then all the people surrounding her as well. It just, like, it just gives me a really weird feeling. It gives me a feeling.
0: It's like, I kind of want to know what the chicken and the egg situation was there. It's like, did they book Charo and then decide to make everyone vaguely Hispanic to support the fact that she was the one who got
1: the part? Like... Yeah, it's just well, it's very it's such unsettling. a common trend that the per- the one person they cast as like a speaking role who's not white ends up being the animal.
0: So, kind of my main qualm is that it's really hard to tell how old she is. Because in the beginning, it's like, okay, if she came out of the flower looking and acting the same way as she does now, does that mean that she was born with, like, the self-awareness and, like, ability of, like, a 16-year-old? Because they say that Cornelius is 16. Or is she, like, a weird adult baby if her mom I is still tucking just, her in and reading her stories every night, how are you <laughs> going to go from bedtime with mom, bedtime story time with mommy to literally being <laughs> like proposed to in 10 minutes?
1: I think um, it's it, the, the attempt was sort of like a Rapunzel type vibe, uh, you know, as far as like yeah. being treated younger than you are. But she does emerge the same way. Yeah, that she is throughout the whole thing. So is being small. I mean, it is true that like being small will even like in real life, like if you're a really short person, you'll be babied like you. People will baby you so that there's some truth to that. But I don't know. I just was like. And the the way that she got,
0: like, swept into doing all this shit and, like, with every captor, she would end up singing and dancing along with them by the end. I was like, are you a baby? Like, I don't <laughs> understand how old you are. That just really what? haunted me.
1: I didn't even try to
0: think about how old she was. It was, but it really, I, I didn't set out to think about it, but it just occurred to me a lot. The butt slap... When they tell her she's ugly in the Beetle Ball thing. It's like the whole whole thing is such (laughs) a nightmare. The whole movie is such a nightmare. But especially that part, it looks so creepy. I just feel like this had to have been like a formative bad experience for so many kids that watched it because it's so unpleasant.
1: Yeah. Like, please let us know if you're out there and you watched it and... And you're scarred for life? Let us yeah. know.
0: Halfway through, I like had uh, like a derealization episode, but then kept watching it. And it literally, I was like physically going through it for the rest of the movie, not even just because of the mental health symptoms, but just because I was like, this movie sucks and is so uncomfortable to watch. And it feels like a weird dream that isn't like fully realized. And that was that's what I experienced all the time with this mental health stuff. So I was just like... Again, to the AI comment, it feels yeah. similar to that.
1: hmm I, I truly, I can't even, I have no other points. Like, I just... Yeah. <sighs> I will say, if nothing else, I really did enjoy
0: the... Uh, kind of felt like going into a haunted house. Like, I was like, I don't know what horrible, weird, like unconsciously stimulating from childhood thing I'm about to run into. Um, but I am curious to see what's next. And it really um, delivered on the disturbing front. Like, I think that this was the most disturbing movie we've ever covered on Sleepover by a really large margin. Yeah. Like, not even <sighs> close with anything else.
1: You can't even tell that if they had good intentions making it.
0: Nope. You have no clue. You have absolutely no clue. Is it a good movie? Absolutely not. It is literally horrible. It's horrible. (laughs) And I believe that its legacy will best live on in like Tumblr-esque photo sets. That's all you need. And I do love the song Let Me Be Your Wings. That I will stand by indefinitely. But that is absolutely it. And it does not make the movie worth it.
1: It to me uh, on on top of all the things we've said, it lacks authenticity and charm and specificity of character. Yes, we have nobody to root for. We're just nope. scared. Exactly.
0: It's like imagine if your heroine started powerless. And then stayed powerless. Ends (laughs) with actually less power. And somehow ends with even less power, personality, and autonomy than she started with. That is what it is. Yeah, She never makes a choice. People literally just abduct her and tell her what to do the entire time. And then I think at Mm -hmm. the end when she's like, when she like storms out of the wedding and like changes her mind, we're supposed to be like, wow,
1: growth. But you don't get that feeling. It's like that was the bare minimum. (laughs)
0: Literally the absolute bare minimum.
1: Please...
0: Maybe we'll even do like an Instagram like like Q&A or something or like a thing where we have you answer. Um, Just if you have any weird childhood memories about this movie because I feel like this is such a fertile uh, piece of media for weird childhood memories. And I would be curious to hear what you guys have to say. So we will put that on our Instagram story, maybe with some nice stills so you can at least get some stills out of it. Um, But yeah. I'm so sorry if you loved this movie, but you probably have issues if you loved this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I I can't even really empathize with you on that one. Like, watch it again. Well, we got through it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I rewatched it just because it was very shocking and entertaining, but um, not something I would really recommend. But okay, as always, we'll be back next week with a new episode. Um, As always, check out our merch. Our t-shirts are cheaper now because we want to sell them. So please go check them out. Stay healthy out there. It's a crazy world we're living in. But we will be here bringing you the much needed content indefinitely. So (laughs) thank you for listening as always. And we'll see you next Thursday. Bye. Bye. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Executive producer of this show is Michael DeAloya.
1: You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com/sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at toopingpictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Pictures, and would love to hear from you there.
0: And if you love Sleepover Cinema, if it's become a staple of your weekly routine or if it's a new show you've been listening to, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share an episode with a few friends. Maybe
1: even both. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Bye. And Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.
0: This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.